Amen. Thank you, Savannah. With much gusto, I love it. Would you all once again pray with me? Lord, as you once sent John the Baptist to prepare the way to preach a gospel of repentance, Lord, I ask that the Spirit would enter our hearts, that you would make our path straight, that you would call us to repent, to turn to you, that we might see you, that we might know you, that we hope in you. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Well, Merry Christmas and Happy Advent season. This has always been one of my favorite seasons. Uh, you know, as a kid, you can probably guess why. I loved the presents. I loved uh, waiting in anticipation for Christmas, right, for Christmas morning. And uh, my parents, my mom will tell you that I was always so excited that I would get up in the wee hours of the morning um, on Christmas Day, or I'm talking like 3 a.m., to check to make sure that Santa came, because you never knew if I was good or bad. But uh, to check to make sure that Santa had came, and I just loved this season. I loved all the energy about it, around it and everything. And my love for this season hasn't changed, but the source of it has. And as I've gotten older, I've, I've kind of reflected on it a little bit and, and asked myself, why do I love Christmas season so much? And there's one kind of feeling or emotion or truth that has welled up within me. And I, I'm so excited to share this with you today because it is the feeling, the emotion, the reality of hope. That when every time this season comes around, there's just something in me that gets refilled, kind of rekindled in me, and I have a smile on my face, I have joy in my heart, and it has to do with this idea of hope. And so I want to talk today a little bit about why we should have so much hope in this world today, and where it comes from, and why the Christian season kind of brings that all out. Now, I'm the type of person who I used to never want to listen to Christmas music until uh, after Thanksgiving. Then you could crank up the Christmas music, and I know there are some of you out there today who are like, nope, Christmas Day is the only day I need to hear it, and that's good. And then there are others who, you know, I can play Christmas music all year long. And as I've gotten older, the joy of the season can't kind of be um, confined to that month of December. And I began to listen to Christmas music earlier and earlier and earlier because the hope that I get from the season. Now, Advent, as we are in this time um, of preparation, as I said, it is also a time of waiting in anticipation. It's this combination, kind of this weird period where we are Preparing for Jesus to come once again. And maybe not this time to a manger, but to our own hearts as we prepare him room. But it's also a season of, of waiting and expectation. Knowing that he will come back. That there will be a day where Jesus comes and makes everything right. And so we wait in that hope and in that expectation. So as we get into this hope of the season, I want to just start with some basics here and ask the question, what is hope? I mean, what is hope? In doing some research for the sermon, I found an article in Psychology Today, and I'm looking at the psychology of hope, and this was their definition. It was the desire of something, hope is the desire of something that we have combined with the expectation of it happening. So it's something that we desire combined with our expectation that it will happen. 
Or Aristotle put it this way, he says, the dream of the waking man. That our hope is something that we want to happen and we are expecting it to happen. And if you think about it, when we hope for things, really it's kind of based on probability, right? On percent chances, maybe even some luck. Like we can hope that the weather is good. I can hope that the Bears will make the playoffs. The chances are not very good. The probability is really low, right? But that's kind of the thing about hope. We don't really hope for the things that have a good chance of success. We hope for the things that have a very low chance of success, right? And really, the probability doesn't matter. As long as there is like 1% chance, you're telling me there's a chance, if anyone who knows that movie. As long as there's a 1% chance, right, we might be able to, to hold on to hope. We'll hope against hope, right? But as we go through life and we experience how life lets us down, how we have hope for things and they haven't come true, or we begin to see with a more realistic perspective. We'll see people, you know, hoping for something and, and we'll tell our family and friends, well, just don't get your hopes up, right? Don't get your hopes up. That's not going to happen. Or we'll even say things like, there isn't a, a hope in hell, right, for that to happen. With the world, the way the world hopes, isn't it really more just like a wish? That I wish this would happen or I wish this would happen. We just change the word wish to hope. I hope this will happen. I hope this will happen over here. I hope it doesn't rain on my wedding day. I hope I'll get into college. I hope I'll get this promotion. And all it is is really a wish, right? It's our desire, our wish, and we're kind of expecting it to happen, trying to, to push it into reality by thinking good thoughts about it. This, my friends, is the hope of the world. This is the hope of the world. It's based on probability, on percent chances. It's just a wish upon a star. The hope of the world. And my friends, I want to let you know that the hope of the world eventually leads to hopelessness, to despair, to cynicism, to use an analogy of this time of the season, hope of the world will eventually turn you into the Grinch. Right? If you live long enough and you have your, get your hopes dashed enough times, eventually you say, you know what, I'm not even going to hope anymore. I'm a realist. I'm a pessimist. I've learned my lesson. I've been burnt too many times. I want to share a story in Scripture from Luke chapter 15. Jesus tells one of his most famous parables. It's the parable of the prodigal son or the lost son. And if you're unfamiliar with it, I'll just sum it up really quick that here is a father that has two sons and the younger son comes to him and says, I want my share of the inheritance right now. And so the father goes and gives him his share and the younger son goes out into the world and he wastes all of his inheritance on wild living. 
Basically, the younger son had hopes that if he had his inheritance, he would find all that he desired and it would happen the way he expected it to. Right? He desired to be made happy, to have fun, to have excitement. And what happened was not what he thought would happen. He ended up finding himself poor, starving. He had to hire himself out to some of the farmers, and he was feeding the pigs, and he longed to just eat what the pigs were eating, right? He had hope of the world. He had hope in things like money and fun and excitement. And if he could just get his inheritance now, his desire would come true as he expected it to. But it didn't happen. It didn't happen. The rest of the story, the son ends up going back home to the father, and the father actually welcomes him back home and puts a, a cloak on him and a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, and welcomes him back home as a son, and they throw a huge party. But there's a moment in there that I want to just touch on today. It says in verse 17 of chapter 15 of Luke, it says, When he came to his senses, when the younger son came to his senses as he was lying there in the pig's feed, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death? I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. So make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. He got up and he went back home. My question to you is this. What changed? What changed in this young man as he had gone off and lived the way he wanted to live and he realized that against his hopes that life didn't turn out well? And how did he know that he could go back to his father's home, that he'd be welcome in, welcomed in? How did he know? What if his father said, nope, you wished me dead and you wanted my inheritance, so I gave it to you and the doors are shut. You're not welcome here. See, the younger son had hope. But this was a different kind of hope. He had hoped for the things of this world and those let him down. Yet finally when he came to his senses, he turned back and he had hope in his father. And the reason why he had hope in returning home is because he knew his father. He knew his father. He knew that in his father's household that he took care of everybody in the household. He knew his father was generous and loving, and forgiving. And even though he had wished his father dead, even though he had squandered all the inheritance and he had turned his back on his father, he had hope in coming home because he knew the father. Christian hope is different than worldly hope. And I want you to get this here. Christian hope is different 
Now, just to, to make sure you understand, faith and hope are a little bit different, but they're very related here. Faith is trust in God based on what he has done in the past. It's present trust in God based on what he has done in the past. Hope is a trust in what will happen based on what God has done in the past. It's a pushing your faith forward. It's saying, I know I have expectation of what will happen based on what God has done in the past. In that same article I read on psych- in Psychology Today that said, hope, well, all it is is our desire that we expect to happen. They acknowledge that there is something different with Christian hope. That Christian hope is not just based on our desire and our probability and chance, but it's based on an object, and that object is God the Father and Jesus the Son and the Holy Spirit. That Christian hope is not based on our, des- not our desires with our expectations. But we as Christians, we actually hope for God's desires. It is his desires that we want to happen, that we expect to happen, that we know will happen. Christian hope is not a wish, but it's confidence assurance based on who God is and that he always keeps his promises. So when he says something will happen, we can guarantee that it will happen. So that I can have hope in the future because I know that God will make it happen. And not my wishes, not my desires, but God's wishes, his desires, they will come to pass. And so I have hope and I can stand on that hope. I want to give you a, a, just a simple kind of analogy for what this Christian hope is, if you haven't got it. How many in here love Hallmark movies? Like, you love to watch, come on, be proud, it's okay, all right. Yeah, you might even have your Hallmark movie watching sweater, right, or Snuggie, whatever it might be, and you curl up. And if, if you know anything about Hallmark movies, you know that they all follow the same pattern, Right? Right? It'll be something, I'm just going to give you one analogy, and you've seen this movie many times if you're a Hallmark movie watcher. You have some, some lady who is, has a busy life in the city and a really good job, and somehow she has to visit back home, right? And then she ends up falling back in love with her high school sweetheart who's wearing, a, you know, a Christmas flannel, right? <laughs> and, and why is it that Hallmark movies can be so popular when all the movies follow the same formula, Right? In fact, guaranteed within 15 minutes of the movie, of the last, last 15 minutes of the movie, you've had two hours, an hour and 45 minutes of building up this love story, right? In the last 15 minutes, every single time, the relationship falls apart. Something happens, someone moves away, someone feels betrayed, whatever it is, right? The relationship falls apart right there. But here's the thing, this is where it's Christian hope. Because we know, because we know it's a Hallmark movie, that they will be kissing within 15 minutes, right? They will get back together, they will share a kiss, and everything will be right. It'll be great, right? It doesn't, know, it doesn't matter how bad or bleak that fallout is, we know the outcome, right? And because of that, we can sit there and we can watch the movie with joy the entire way, even though we've seen the the plot hundreds of times, it doesn't matter because it's Christian hope. It's Christian hope. It's why they're so successful. That is Christian hope. No matter how bad life gets, no matter how much the walls are crumbling in around us, we know the outcome. We know 
the outcome. Christian hope. We are confident because God is faithful. He always keeps his word, always keeps his promise. So promises like Jesus saying in Matthew 28, truly I tell you I will be with you always to the very end of the age. When Jesus says that, we know it's true because he's always faithful. So no matter how alone I feel, I know that Jesus is with me. No matter how hard things get, when I'm in the valley of the shadow of death, Jesus is with me. Or Jeremiah 29, 11, the famous you know, college verse that we send our kids off with, right? For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plan, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you what? Hope and a future. I can have hope in the plans that God has for my life because I know he's always faithful. He always comes through. And so no matter where my life is at, I know he's not done yet. My life, my plan is still unfolding, and I can have hope in that. Or in promises like John, 1 John 1, 9. This is one of my favorites, just because I need it, probably. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. I love this promise. That if we just confess our sins, if we go to God and we repent, every single time we do that, God is faithful to forgive our sins. I can't screw up one too many times where God says, nope, that's it, you're done. I said, I said you could come to me every time, but that's too many times. God doesn't do that. I cannot mess up so many times that God turns his back on me. He is faithful and just. And even in my darkest, sinful, broken, messed up moments, I know that if I turn back to God, he is there waiting to welcome me back home. I picture the younger son in the parable of the prodigal son walking back home, and he's been living in darkness, right? Not necessarily physically, but his life has fallen apart and he's living in darkness and he's going back home waiting to see his father's house. And that house kind of represents that sunrise after a long dark night, right? So he's walking expecting to see that sunrise come over the horizon at any time. But at the same time, it says that the father was watching for him, waiting for him. While the younger son was looking for the sunrise after a dark night, the father was looking, waiting for his son to rise. And we have Christian hope in our lives because we have a father who waits and watches and just is there. No matter how bad we turn our back on him, no matter what we do, all we have to turn around and look to the father and come home to hope because the father is there to welcome us home. At Christmas, this is the time where our hope gets refilled. Our hope gets refilled because we prepare for once again for Jesus to come. And God had promised for thousands of years that the Messiah would come, the Savior would come. 
And then 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem, in a manger, in a stable, the Messiah came. And when this baby was born, angels showed up with joy and with singing and with celebration. Shepherds left their flocks, kings gathered, right? And because God kept his promise for the Messiah to come then, we know that he's going to keep his promise for the Messiah to come in here and to come again. Once again, at this Christmas season, I encourage you to come home to hope. Many of you might be like that younger son. Because here's the thing, it's really easy to get caught up with hoping in this world. Getting caught up in hoping for the things of this world. And if you need to have this time, this season, uh, to kind of just snap you back out of it or as a reminder to say, hey, I've been hoping on the things of this world too much and they are, they're letting me down. And I stopped hoping on Christ. I want to invite you this morning to turn around once again to Jesus. To let his hope fill you because he will not let you down. He will not let you down. And then there are some of you in here where this season of joy, this season of hope, this season of Christmas time, of the holidays, is not that at all. It's a season of sadness, of mourning, of loneliness. And some of you already experienced it this past week as a, there's an empty chair at the table that once used to be filled and if this is you, I encourage you not to just think that you can just cast off your sorrow or your loneliness, but to also come home to hope and let that hope carry you through this season and beyond. Because hope will do that. Hope gives us energy, gives us strength, gives us perseverance, even gives us joy in the midst of our sorrow. It's all from the hope that comes in Christ Jesus. The scripture that Savannah read says this. It says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Let us hold so tight to the hope of Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is faithful. And if you need hope right now, turn back to the Father. Come on home to hope. That scripture verse ends with saying this. He says, and let us consider how, may, how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Because we have this hope, it says, because Jesus is faithful, then it says, because of that, let us spur one another on to good deeds. And my friends, we are the carriers of Christian hope to the world. We are the light in the darkness. As Christians, we are called to go and do that. And what better time than now? During this season of Advent, you will see that at Calvary, each week we will have some way that we can engage with our community where we can be that hope to our area. And so this week I want to draw our attention to the giving fence on Washington Street. And if you're not familiar with this, um, the, if I say their names correctly, the Luthrops, who own a business right next door, they saw a need in the community and they wanted to make sure everyone had warm clothes for the winter. 
And so we as Calvary, we can partner with them. And if you have coats or gloves or hats or uh, just warm clothes, you can actually go and just attach it to this fence for anybody in need to come and get it. There's more information on the website about it, so I encourage you to go do that. But here in a season uh, where winter can last 14 months, it seems sometimes, and people need physical hope, we can be that by just going and taking a coat that we no longer wear and letting that coat be the hope and the light for somebody else. Let us encourage one another. Let us spur one another on to good deeds, so here I am spurring you. And then the last thing it says, it says, um, and let us encourage one another to keep meeting together. To keep meeting together. I said we are the carriers of hope in the world. We're also carriers of hope to each other. We are the light when someone else's candle is beginning to flicker, beginning to go out. We are the ones to bring our candle to them and say, hey, let me light this for you. We are designed to worship together, to be together, and in this season, let us encourage us one, one more time to be together. Right after the service in the worship center, we are going to kick off Advent with the celebration. I encourage you to go. If you didn't plan on going, change your plans. Come, be with us that we might share in hope together, that we might light each other's lights of Christ so that when we go out in the world, we're blazing, that we bring hope into this community. A world that has lost its hope because it's hoped on the things of this world needs the hope of Jesus Christ. It needs us, friends. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I ask that you would pour your light into us, that in the areas and the ways where we have been hoping on this world, hoping into this world, Lord, that you would uh, just kind of wake us up, that we might turn around and that we might come home this Christmas to the Father with the arms open wide, that we might have hope because you have loved us, you will continue to love us. Lord, we praise your name. We give you all the glory. Amen. Amen.